is there is no such thing as overnight success. It's over time success. Welcome to the PS Younger Self podcast, where we talk to inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and creatives on how we can all crush our fears and optimize our lifestyle to live our most fulfilling lives, and always on our own terms. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me for another episode today for our specialty monthly series in collaboration with HubDot, where we bring you inspiring stories from the global HubDot community. HubDot is a global organization taking a radically different approach to human connections and stories above job titles and social status. Today on the show, we're talking about how to design an environment that's impossible not to succeed. Before we introduce you to our special guest, I'd like to first welcome, as always on these collab episodes, our HubDot partner. And today we're joined by Gisela Garcia, who is the head of commercial at HubDot. She's also an activist, passionate about the power of storytelling. Welcome, Gisela. Thanks for joining. And how are you today? Thank you, Chris. I'm very well, thank you. And I'm very excited about being here with you, with our special guest. Yes, exactly. And before we get into talking with Simon, I thought that um, it'd be great to ask you also maybe to share your personal thought on the topic of today, which is about how to design an environment that is impossible not to succeed, as Simon likes to put it. Yes, it's something that is very close to me, to my heart and my my personal journey. Um, as I, um, two years ago, um, sort of changed my, my career and my my found my purpose you know for many years I spent 20 years working in the fashion industry I was successful and you know to many people's standards I, I had it all but um, inside I was not very happy and you know my mental health was suffering my family um, life was suffering and um, I realized that I had to do something different and change and I had wish I had met Simon back then I would have saved a, a lot of time but you know what he what he shares with you and what he tells us is is his true personal journey but it just resonates with the with with your heart and you know with um with real human life stories um so I can't wait to um to to hear his story again Yes, you're right. And those human stories are, are what can really truly inspire and help a lot of us on our own personal journey to whatever that success may be or the goal that we want in life and which is what HubDot does so beautifully and powerfully all the time and bringing these storytellers together. So I'm happy that we can do here again. And now please meet our special guest, as Gisela said, he is Simon Alexander Ong. He is a life coach, a business strategist who has been featured in the BBC to Forbes and Financial Times. His mission is to help individuals uplevel their life and business to be more meaningful, purposeful, and extraordinary. He does this by inspiring people to see the world differently and ignite their imagination for what is truly possible on how, as we said, and he likes to put it, we can design an environment that is impossible not to succeed. Please meet Simon Alexander Ong. Welcome, Simon. Thanks for joining us today. Chris, thank you very much for having me on. 
Thank you, of course. So let's get started. I am really interested in this topic because our listeners are high achievers and we love to share how we can all optimize our lifestyles to become the best version of ourselves and live on our own standards. So first of all, I'd like to ask the all-important question, how do you define success? Or how can we define success, Simon? Because I'll tell you one thing, as I've been on my own transformational journey, I've redefined what success means to me. Mm. Chris, and I think that is very important is, first of all, before I share my definition, it's you understanding for yourself what success means to you. So often we go through life and we adopt the definition of success by other people. Uh, you know, we adopt their metrics of success, we adopt their definition, and it becomes a race that we cannot win. Uh, but if we take a moment to reflect on what does success mean to you, what does fulfillment look like, and what sort of impact do you want to have in the world, then that is an important baseline to begin with. Because the only person that should be defining success for you is you. So just like yourself, Chris, the definition of success for me changed. When I was in school, the definition that I had, which was heavily influenced by my parents at the time, was when I graduated, success for me was getting a job as a banker, a doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant. Uh, so that for me was my definition. Now, as I expanded my perspectives, I began to see what else was out there. I began to do a lot of self-exploration work my version of success changed drastically. And it changed to understanding what sort of legacy did I want to leave in the world. So now my definition of success has evolved from just titles to the sort of impact that I want to have and doing the work that makes me feel most alive. Because if there's anything that I've learned throughout my journey from employee to entrepreneur, Chris, is that too many of us are tired and exhausted, not because we're doing too much, but because we're doing too little of that which brings us joy and makes us feel alive. You're absolutely right, Simon. I love how you summed it up there, that so many of us really struggle finding that bliss because we're not really doing enough of what actually fulfills us. Rather, we're just doing too much to just be busy. So speaking to those who are still holding on to definitions of success defined by external voices and standards from our culture, our society, and family, as you described it from your experience, and certainly I have experienced that as well. Simon, how do you think one can detach from this prescribed definition of success for one that is more aligned with our authentic self? Mm. Chris, I think one of the activities that helped me a lot uh, was journaling and meditation. Uh, too often we live in a world in which busyness is prized and always hustling is the goal. But actually when we slow down, we are able to be one with our thoughts. We're able to get clarity on what is most important for ourselves. There's a great saying that goes, sometimes we have to slow down in order to speed up. And these anecdotes I'm going to share with you may or may not be true, but I think there is a lot of truth in them. 
When Isaac Newton first discovered gravity, supposedly he was sitting under a tree and an apple fell on his head. When Archimedes discovered displacement theory, he was sitting in a bathtub and he had his eureka moment. When Thomas Edison was at the height of his career, he used to spend hours each day fishing without any bait because no one would disturb him, not even the fish. Now, what that teaches us is that often we need silence. Silence isn't empty. Silence is full of answers. Silence allows our wisdom to speak to us. And when we slow down, we're able to listen to that innate wisdom we all have. And journaling then allows us to download our thoughts onto paper. What, are, what is worrying you? What are you curious about? What sort of things are interesting you? What would you like to do? Now, when you begin to put all your thoughts onto paper, you're able to structure things, plan, and decide how you want to move forward. Those activities for me really helped at the beginning, Chris. And also a question that I still ask myself today looking forward. I say to myself, if three years from now, I was having a conversation with a friend that I haven't met for three years, and we were to bump into each other at an airport waiting lounge. And I was to say to him that the last three years have been the most amazing, magnificent and magical of my life. What would I be saying? And I think working from the future, working from our future self allows us to imagine for a moment what is most important for us, because what is most important for us may be different to someone else. And doing these sort of sort of activities and exercises will help us gain clearer understanding on what that is. And once we know those answers, Chris, the challenge for us is to have the wisdom and courage to build our life and career around them. Mm. I love I love what you said there about asking this question because I like to ask lofty questions for myself too. But it sounds like by asking these questions and seeing your future self is envisioning your life vision that you want to create and manifest. But the journaling allows us to be present, right? And to be in that silence, as you said, to tap into our own wisdom, which I thought was a really beautiful point as well, too, because a lot of people, I think I agree with you, we all have our inner wisdom and Mm -hmm. intuitive gift, but so many of us don't realize it because we are so bothered by and distracted by these external voices that we don't have the tools to tap into it. So journaling and meditation, you're saying, is what allows us to tap into our inner wisdom. Mm, definitely, definitely. And as, as you say, Chris, uh, this innate wisdom, whether we call it wisdom, gut feel, intuition, we all have, we all have it. Uh, the question is how many of us actually listen to it? How many mm. of us actually give ourselves the space uh, to connect to that, I came across a, uh, a post on social media recently that mentioned the longest journey we would take are the inches from our heads to our hearts. Yes. The longest journey we would take is the inches from our heads to our hearts. And through this journey, what I've learned, especially as an entrepreneur, is that importance of slowing down in order to speed up, of having boundaries especially if you want to thrive as an entrepreneur instead of burning out. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, creating boundaries. That was another operative uh, point that you made there. For me, um, I shared with you earlier, Simon, I was a former New Yorker. And you mentioned that your wife is a New Yorker. And and as you know, New Yorkers and, and even London, where you're from, we lead very high-paced lifestyles. And we, there's a lot of merit and behind this busy lifestyle that we had to lead. And so for me now, even though I no longer live in New York, I, what I do to create boundaries is actually I allot time for myself where it is just dedicated to me and my self growth, my self development, where I even turn off my phone or any electronic device what are other ways, Simon, that you would recommend on how we can create these boundaries? Mm. You're right, Chris. I think with boundaries, it's such an important topic, especially today, because we live in the most distracted age. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something uh, I read from Cal Newport's work. He said that focus is today's IQ. Uh, <laughs> it used to be intelligence. You know, your IQ was measured on how much you knew and uh, your knowledge of history and facts. But now that we have the likes of Google and uh, voice assistants and we can get the answer to those in seconds, knowledge is now commoditized. Uh, so really, it's our ability to use that knowledge and focus our attention on what is most important instead of giving in to our distractions. And that's why boundaries are so important, because if you don't have boundaries, you'll never experience uh, true freedom. Uh, one of the things that I have uh, to help me put some boundaries in place, Chris, is I have so-called no meeting days. Uh, So at least once a week, uh, often twice a week, I will have a day in which I have no meetings in my diary, no calls, uh, no conversations with people. What that allows me to do is to use that time to focus on learning, reading, meditation, spending time with myself, putting down notes, thoughts, planning my next week or quarter ahead. Uh, And especially at this moment, uh, writing, uh, because I'm working towards my first book. So this extra time allows me to focus uh, on on putting my thoughts on paper. Mm, The no meeting day, that's a really good one, Simon. I've allotted no meeting like time brackets, but the no meeting days, that's a really, really good one. Um, and, and I remember when I was in the corporate world, oh my God, the most dreadful part was the Monday morning meetings that everyone had. And to me now, I realize Monday mornings for me, especially are super, super sacred because you're just coming off like the heels of uh, a weekend that you may have enjoyed being off the grid a bit, off work. And then the first thing you jump right into is a Monday meeting. But I love that you dedicate a whole day to it. So that's a really great tip. You recently shared, Simon, on your Instagram that most people give up just before they are about to experience some success. Mm. Why is that? What What is happening that is driving most people to give up during this process? For me, Chris, it comes down to impatience. Uh, impatience is one of the biggest obstacles I'm finding people today have because we have social media, which we didn't have decades ago. And the issue with social media is it feels like it rushes people. You start seeing what other people are achieving, how far they're out, uh, what they're accomplishing. And so you're measuring the speed of your progress versus what they're achieving. And if you don't get there quick enough, people often give up and try a new method or try something else. But what we tend to forget because of how instantaneous 
uh, information is in today's age is there is no such thing as overnight success. It's overtime success. Uh, Denzel Washington summed this up nicely, actually, when he received an award a couple of years ago. He said, without commitment, you will never begin. But more importantly, without consistency, you will never finish. And it's that consistency that I think so many people lack. The secret of success can very often be found in your daily routine. And it's because it's not what you do once in a while that makes a difference. It's what you do day in and day out, again and again and again. And if you are giving up too soon, you've got to ask yourself the question of, do I really want this? Do I really want this? Because if this is something that means something to you, that has a purpose, that you feel passionate about, you wouldn't give in that easily. You wouldn't give in that easily because with any path you take, you are inevitably going to face setbacks, challenges and obstacles. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, deep down that those do not matter nearly as much as how you interpret them and how you respond to them. Yeah, thanks for being real, Simon, that there is no such thing as an overnight success. And whatever you may see on the glossy facade of all the social media accounts you follow, know that there are layers and layers behind that and the habits, because we are the power of our habits, right? As you said, it is what you put in day in and day out and consistency. So thank you for that. Now that we've defined what success means, and it's very personal to each and every one of us and how we define it for ourselves and how we can even identify how we self-sabotage ourselves in the process of obtaining that success. Now, now let's get into how we can, as you say, design an environment that is impossible not to succeed. So it seemed like you spoke about mindset a lot, consistency, patience, what what else? What does this environment look like, Simon, so that we can all feel confident in creating that environment where it's impossible not to succeed? Sure. So when I think about environment, it is everything from who you spend time with, what you read, what you watch, what you listen to, who you follow on social media, and your physical environment as well as anything else connected to that. Because what helped me in my journey to where I am today, Chris, is the fact that I was consciously putting myself in environments that energized me, that showed me what was possible, that held me to a higher standard instead of environments that drained my energy. And that is important. The reason I emphasize so much on the importance of environment is because your willpower only lasts you so long. Willpower only lasts you so long. Inevitably, if you do not have the environment around you, you will give up because with no environment, no accountability, the only person keeping you in check is yourself. And often we can be the obstacle holding ourselves back from realizing our true potential. So this is what I did, Chris, when I started to transition out of employment to entrepreneurship is I began changing the groups that I spend time with. I started changing the books I read. In fact, I think reading is such an important habit. Success leaves clues. And when you read books, you are able to access the minds, the thinking, the experiences, and the lessons of the authors that have written those books. 
that allows you to see your world through new lenses. When you have people to hold you accountable, there's a higher percentage chance of you actually following through, not with what other people have told you to do, but what you have been telling yourself that you want to do. So as you begin to upgrade your environment, you increase the chances that you actually move forward, you make progress. Otherwise, you are given to indecision and procrastination, which will kill any sort of progress that you would otherwise be able to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, those are all really great points. And I love the fact that you said how um, success leads clues and the accountability. So I know that, Simon, you have a, a Facebook group and a community where uh, this accountability really comes into play mm-hmm. for the people that you help coach, as long as, as well as this community that you're building. But can we get a little bit more tactical? Because I've had to be very honest, I've had, you know, groups within my my friends network where we say, okay, let's be accountability partners. And maybe it lasts for about a good month or so. And then people's busy schedules, we forget or it just stops uh, building on that momentum. So can you get a little tactical for us? How can we create those accountability groups? What does that look like in helping to create that accountability with other people? And is there a way to track that progress? Sure. So first of all, Chris, I think it comes down to interest and commitment. Uh, Many of us are interested in things. And it's why when you look at studies uh, on New Year's resolutions, you will find Mm -hmm. many who make them will have broken them before the first quarter of the year has even uh, finished. Or they're making... I think it's after the first week. (laughs) But anyway... (laughs) Because you know how, you know how the story goes about like um, the, um, the first like couple days or something, gym memberships are at like an all time high. By second week, there's a mass like drop in um, people who go into the gym. But go ahead. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, they break them in record time, and uh, or they're making the same resolution year in and year out again and again mm. because they haven't made real progress, and that's because the majority of people are only interested in whether that is getting healthier, whether that is starting a business, whether that's changing career, whether that is moving to a new city, we're only interested. And when you are only interested, you are of the mindset that if it happens, great. If it doesn't, well, there's always next year. And that's why you're not really making the progress you want to make. But if you are committed, here's the difference between commitment and interest. Interest is 50-50. You haven't decided. So a path can't emerge if you haven't decided. But if you are committed, you've made a decision. You've told yourself, this is going to happen. I am going to make this happen. Now, once you have decided, your mind moves to how. How am I going to do it? What do I need to have in place? Who do I need to speak to? You are now in an action-oriented mindset. Now, if we take that as the baseline, the way the accountability works is very similar to the concept of a mastermind group, which I first came across when I read the timeless classic Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. It touches on the idea of a mastermind. And the reason why that is powerful is that let's say you are in a group of six to eight people, all of whom are just as ambitious as you, share the same values, and are focused on manifesting an exciting and compelling vision. 
the reason why it can be powerful to be in a group like that is for the social accountability. Let's say you uh, meet up for your first session and you each mention what you want to achieve in the next month. What's your target for the next month? Now all of you know what your goals are. If you are in, let's say, a Facebook group or a WhatsApp group, then people will begin sharing their progress in the build-up to the next meeting. And here's the exciting part. Once you start seeing other people moving forward, that will motivate you too to move forward and to take some action. Uh, It is why the famous story of Roger Bannister breaking the four-minute mile. Yes, yes. Before then, everyone said it was impossible. The human body cannot break a mile uh, in under four minutes. Yet, one afternoon in 1954, Bannister breaks it. And in the 12 months after that, many, many other people suddenly began breaking it. And since then, it's become seen as, well, four-minute mile is pretty easy to achieve. But what happened? What changed? We just had to see that it was possible, that actually we can achieve something that other people are saying that we can't. And this is the power of environment really taking place. This is the power of environment because if we are only in one type of environment, we become limited by what we see as possible and limited by the possibilities that can exist outside our given frame of mind. Mm-hmm. I know that Roger Bannister story very well, and you're absolutely right. You ju- we just need to see that one person, that one person breaking the mold or making it happen to recognize that it is possible. And I think I also want to just underscore of how well, you really define the difference between interest versus committed. I didn't really think about it this way, but it was a really great way that you define the difference, how interest is 50-50. You're not really, it's not a really action oriented. It's more of a fleeting thought and mm. feeling. So that was a really good, you define the two because you're right. A lot of people, we have a lot of different interests, right? I certainly do. And um, I remember when I was younger too, I used to play the piano and then I did this and I did that. And none of it really stuck through until things that I found that I was really, really committed to seeing the end result of. And for me today, it's this personal evolution and this transformation of how much more I can grow every single day. So for anyone else out there and feeling that they don't know if they can see through of what they want to succeed in life, find out what you're really committed in seeing the result for. In this life design, um, Simon, you underscored in that environment, again, the people, and we talked about how that ties into the accountability groups. But how do we identify the right people to surround ourselves with? Is it finding also certain mentors? Is it, you mentioned following people in certain uh, social media accounts that are inspiring, but are there other ways that can help us identify the right people and to build those relationships with that can help guide us on our successful path? Definitely. So understanding the sort of people, groups, and networks that you should start building relationships with comes down to what your vision is. Uh, you know, What are you looking to work towards? Uh, that will give you a clue 
And then you just work backwards from there. So if I take my example, Chris, uh, if I wanted to become an author, if I wanted to become a speaker and a coach, then guess what? That gives me hints as to the sort of environments that I should be putting myself into, where I should be showing up, if you will. So from a coaching perspective, I want to be showing up in circles and environments where people are already qualified in the sense that they believe that the greatest investment is in themselves. So they are turning up to events to learn from speakers, to learn from teachers. And those are sort of people that are very likely to be interested in what I have to offer. When I think about speaking, well, the people I want to connect with and I want to build relationships with are the event organizers. They're people who put the events together. They are people who work in HR roles within companies. So what do I do is I might look at uh, the sort of companies that I want to speak at. And then I will connect with the HR people there. I will sort of understand the events they put on. I might suggest some ideas of topics that I can speak about. And I will reach out to event organizers. I will build relationships with the people that can help make things happen. If I'm thinking about writing a book, then what I would like to do is maybe connect with people working in the publishing industry, connect with people who have written books to understand how do they go about it? How can I learn from their journey? So you see how. I'm thinking here, Chris, what I'm doing is, first of all, I've got to know what am I working towards? What is the vision mm-hmm. that I want to create? And then I can reverse engineer and think to myself, well, who can I connect with that will help me get closer to turning that into a reality? Mm-hmm. And I see that as, um, I like how you put it, reverse engineer, but getting really micro, you know, like don't mm-hmm. just getting really micro in detail. Don't just say that, like, you know, I want to write want to write a book. Okay. And writing a book doesn't necessarily mean the first step is bring out your pen and paper or (laughs) why am I sounding so um, dated, but you know, your computer, right? But it is identifying every single aspect of how to even launch a book and the people that are going to be in the process of helping to make that book come to life. As you said, finding the publishers to maybe even connecting with people that your authors that have inspired you. So getting really micro in the details, I think was such a key point. Because sometimes, yeah, we get in this trap of just thinking very broadly and generally, right? And mm. then we don't really think about like the nitty gritty details of, and action steps of, as you said, being action oriented to make it happen. No, there is so much more between point A and point B to make it, and it actually is putting in the work and finding out all the details involved. So, Definitely. and I think what's important connected to this, Chris is when we are thinking about what is it we want to achieve, we have to get very, very specific. The reason most people don't achieve their goals is because the goal itself is too vague. It's too superficial. Like, I want to be rich. I want to run a business. Well, I mean, without specific detail, well, you can't get motivated or inspired because, well, what business? What type of business? How often do you want to work? Who do you want Mm -hmm. to work? So if you are thinking, if I'm taking a book example here, then it could be something even as specific as I want a best-selling book in this category on the bookshelves of this store, that store, and here, and so on. Once you've got things very specifically nailed down, you get even more granular with your strategy. So if I want to publish a book that sells well and I reverse engineer that, well, clearly I'm going to have to start building a brand. I'm going to have mm-hmm. to start building an audience. Well, how am I going to do that? 
well, maybe I'll write a newsletter. I'll start sharing some valuable content. Uh, and I'll start speaking more. And so when I approach the publisher, they can Google me or they can look at my social media content and they can already start to get a feel of who I am. So the more specific we can get about what is it we're actually working towards and what we want to achieve, the easier it becomes to work out those sort of micro steps, which you greatly put it, Chris, uh, to help us get to, uh, to achieving that. Yeah. And wouldn't you say it helps us to achieve it because we can help track our progress better as opposed to, you know, if we said, like you said, I want to be rich, but we don't, how do you define rich, right? But if you say, I want to make a million dollars, just to say by the end of the year, and then you can set um, financial goals leading up to a million, does that mean it's, you know, X $10,000 a month each month, or as you can see, my math is probably really bad right now. <laughs> what, what is those incremental goals that will lead up to your detailed big goal so that you can track it throughout the entire process? Because um, I know that in the past, when I set these bigger goals, it was not being able to, you know, track the progress um, throughout it, that's made me kind of just give up throughout because I'm like, why, why am I not getting there as fast enough? But if we can celebrate the little wins, the mm-hmm. little progress is, I think, gives us these little motivational jumps throughout and making us feel that we are making that progress towards our bigger goal. Definitely, definitely, Chris. And I, I totally get what you're saying there. I mean, if you think about uh, the number, and that's why it's so important to have something specific because what rich is for you will be rich for some different to someone else. Uh, so yes. if, if, for example, we had in mind in three years' time, I want to be generating a uh, million dollar plus revenue in my business. Well, now you've got that number, you can reverse engineer that back and go, okay, so that means each year for three years, I've got to be targeting an average of $333,333. Now, if you are thinking of a couple of income streams, then now you can start thinking, great. So that means each year I got to be targeting an average of 111000 roughly, just over $111,000 per three of my income streams in order to hit those averages. It just gives your mind something to focus on and it gets creative to help you get there. Exactly. Exactly. So... These were really, really great tips and insights. And I love how very tactical and practical you get, um, Simon, and helping us reframe and think about how we can create and design this environment so that all of us can feel really empowered and confident that we can succeed at anything. So thank you for all those. I like to ask all of my guests, Simon, if you can go back to your younger self, and pass on one piece of wisdom since we all talk, we mm. talked about how we all have our innate wisdom. But if you can just pass on one piece of wisdom to a younger Simon to remind him to always be present and to live fully and always on his own terms, do you know what that one thing would be? Yeah, I think if I had that opportunity, Chris, to go back and speak to my younger self, the one thing that I would share with him would be to embrace his differences, embrace your uniqueness. We are all born different for a reason. You know, don't try to fit in with the crowd. Uh, there, and I think this applies to all of us. There is only one of you. 
there will never ever be anyone else that has the same genetic code you have, the same preferences, strengths, weaknesses, interests. You are entirely a unique individual. The universe's gift to you was life. Your gift back to the universe is to discover what that is, what that purpose is, and express that to the world. What those skills, those talents, and gifts that you were blessed with at birth. So embrace those differences. Embrace your uniqueness, because in time, that is what people will like you for. I love how you put it. You, your gift back to the universe is your self and your impact. And that was beautifully, beautifully said. Now to wrap it up, Simon, because you have so much more to share, I know, and you have a lot of great content that you regularly share on your social media channels and Instagram, I know, which is where you're very active, but where can our audience find you? Sure. So the first place that you can learn a little bit more about the work that I do is by visiting my website, which is simonalexanderong.com. If you use social media, I'm on most of the major channels, so you can view some of my videos on YouTube. You can connect with me on Instagram, where, as Chris said, I'm very active on. Uh, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn and Facebook. So if you have any questions at all, once you have digested the content of this uh, podcast interview, then do feel free to reach out to me. Excellent. Yes. And we will share all the links in the show notes. And I definitely feel even more inspired today, Simon, with um, your insight and inspiration. So thank you for sharing it with me as well as our audience. My pleasure, Chris. And thank you so much again for having me on. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of P.S. Younger Self. It really means a lot to me that you're spending your time with me. So if you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to your podcast. And leave me a review. Tell me what you think. It really helps me get more valuable content to you guys. So until next time, take care and remember to always live your life on your own terms.